0: Thank <laughs> you. another episode of Cadavercast. i'm al burnham
1: and i'm cadaver dad jeff burnham
0: and we are coming to you from the frankenstein's monkey farm and today we are doing a very special movie um which is robocop
1: yeah what makes it so special man
0: um that it's really like kind of one of the more it's a more mature movie it's like transitioning into more mature movies yeah. And also, it's a movie that you like.
1: I mean, it's, to to say that I like RoboCop is an understatement. Yeah. I think people who like RoboCop love RoboCop. Yeah. it's I I really, I don't know if there's in between. You either see how brilliant it is. Or, or you, you don't, or, like, or you it don't, at, don't or like it at Or you just
0: I guess, despise it. <laughs>
1: uh, well, we're talking, first of all, we're talking about the 1987 RoboCop. Yes. Uh, Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop. And it's a film that has a lot of really wild satire going on inside of the world of it. You know, everything is satirical. And so it's something that I could see people overlooking the satire, which is very strong and biting and still liking it because it's a, about a robot cop, you know? Yeah. So, like, that's cool enough. So, I guess the satire could even be over your head and you could still really like it. But I think to really love it, you have to start understanding, you know, about the the world that it's commenting on and seeing how brilliant all the layers of the film are from the television commercials, you know, up through the main narrative elements. But, yeah, this is a big one, man. Mature stuff. And it kind of happened by accident that you watched it. Yeah. Because you were not sleeping if i recall correctly you were having trouble sleeping i was about to put on robocop and i was like well you're here sit down let's watch robocop if you can't sleep so that's how it happened you know yeah well and also do you remember what we went ahead and did with the movie when uh we took the disc out the first time um
0: we put it in for like the more safe version i think
1: yeah we we swapped out because of course any of you who love robocop know that the director's cut is the version to watch but the theatrical cut has less gore and stuff so i ended up switching it out for the theatrical cut hope that's okay with (laughs) y'all but
0: just for the end kind of mostly for
1: the mostly for the end i mean the beginning of the movie isn't too bad i mean that one guy gets shot up in
0: the,
1: That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool, huh? Uh Yeah, he gets absolutely wrecked in the, the office. But, like, yeah, after that, I think, like, the big thing for me was the toxic waste scene. And I really, if there's anything cut from that, I wanted it to be cut for your sake. Because that scene is the scene that really disturbed me when I was a kid. That one always bothered me. I still find it really gross and upsetting, like, fundamentally. But, yeah. Okay, so, enough from me. Al, this was your first time watching RoboCop. Yeah. Should we jump right into the movie here now, or should we actually talk about what this kind of means for the show first? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Talk about the show? Mm-hmm. From your perspective, wh- what does this mean? Like, us us turning to a movie like RoboCop here. What's going on?
0: Really, Um. RoboCop, like, here is like, it's like... It's a really mature movie, and it's, like, kind of, like, transitioning us into a a little more mature movies.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And because, like, I am technically now a fifth grader.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, practically an adult at that point. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting there, though, man. I mean, you know, you're turning 11 this year. I probably saw RoboCop when I was... Seven? I don't know. Like, I would have been really young when I saw RoboCop. Of course, when I first saw it, I would have seen it on TV. Most of the stuff that would be the mature stuff you're talking about, I probably saw on, you know, cable during the day, on the weekend, edited for television. That's not the way you're watching these. Um, At least not unless we have the option. I think some of them, if we can find the TV cuts, would be probably better for you to watch. Um, I guess, but there is, ooh, hold on. Oh, no, no, no. I guess this, this Blu-ray, I was going to say this, uh, Blu-ray set or 4K set, whatever. Um, right, 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 because we got in the 4K steelbook. That's why I was watching it. But, uh, I don't, I don't know that it has the TV cut, but we'll try to watch TV cuts wherever possible for you, you know, so that you're not disturbed by things unnecessarily. But I agree, man. I think our show's transitioning into something bigger. So, listeners, I think we're moving into other stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good, because, I mean, do you want to talk for a minute about what's going on with Who the Owl is?
0: Yeah, Who the Owl is is, like, because I'm beginning to be able to watch more mature movies, Who the Owl is is kind of, like basically done really almost because like we've covered all the big ones like the actual like big classic ones and the ones that dad feels like are ones that we need to do
1: well yeah i mean you wouldn't know the because you haven't seen them you wouldn't know sure 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 yeah i Um, mean yeah continue
0: but and now that i'm beginning to be able to watch more mature movies i could have done those but now I'm actually able to watch them, so it's kind of, like, Who the Owl is is kind of, like, starting to just... And, like, the other movies that I can't watch kind of are basically all just slashers.
1: They're, they're either all slashers or movies that you've tried to do episodes on, but have had a lot of trouble with. Um, but, yes, so what's been happening with Who the Owl is and the reason why... You're not hearing a lot of it lately. Is yeah, we've covered most of the big ones. We did Xenomorph, we did Predator, we did Freddy Krueger, we did Jason, right? We did uh, Pennywise, Chucky, Pinhead. We did all of the, like the big ones that we knew our listeners would want to hear about, but you weren't old enough to even watch any of them. No, but you're kind of starting to be able to watch some of these older ones, you know. And this kind of goes mm-hmm. back to. The, I don't know, one of the fundamental, I don't know, building blocks of the show. That's that's a good way to put it. One of the building blocks of the show is this idea that we would be watching movies as you were ready for them, right? The same way that I watched movies as a kid. When I was ready for it, I was shown it. And, you know, I watched a lot of horror movies growing up. So I was watching stuff earlier than other kids, but other kids couldn't handle it. Other kids couldn't distinguish, you know, the fiction of the horror film for the from the reality of their life you know was I scared of things like oh, Michael Myers or whatever and also you've seen Halloween yeah <laughs> so like I' also seen Halloween too
0: I've seen I think I've seen Halloween one like two times
1: uh at least you may have seen it three times at this I'm, point
0: I think three yeah
1: because the first time you were watching it was accidentally sort of when it was shown on joe bob briggs while you were making your halloween costume that one year uh, but
0: and then i think we watched it completely a bit after that
1: quite possibly that year i watched it three or four times
0: and i think i caught it and then recent and then i think last year yeah we watched it again so yeah three times
1: because we got the 4k disc
0: Yeah, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i've seen it three times
1: yeah. Oh, man. So here's here's what we're getting at is that Who the Al is is was a series that we started to cover things that Al could not watch. But at this point, we covered all the things that were the big ones, like Al said, the stuff that Al can't watch, he or at least that I can't show him anything of, <laughs> you know, the, the other stuff we haven't covered is a very, very, very adult stuff that has content in it that we don't want to get into on this show at all. So, you know, we'll avoid that. And we may come back to it. There may, like, I don't want to say we're done with who the owl is, but we were finding it very, very hard. Um, One of the listeners requested who the owl or what the owl is old. And Al tried. (laughs) But when we were doing what the owl is old, you had a lot of trouble with that. You worked on it for, like, two weeks trying to come up with something.
0: Yeah. And I was, like, I had I had a story, but I didn't have, like, I had the story, but I didn't have an excla- explanation. Like, I couldn't really figure out, like, I had a good idea, but every time I got a good idea, I'm like, wait. Wait, so wait, about, like, there's always a thing that I didn't know every time I came up with a mm. good one. Like, I'm like, wait, how, what is that? So
1: you were getting hung up on the explanation of how they turn old.
0: No, like, every time I came up with, like, a good one, like, a good story for it that I thought was pretty good, I kept, like, I thought it was like, wait, no, like, every time. And it was on different things sometimes, but it was mostly the same parts and so so i couldn't do it
1: okay okay i see what you're saying then i wonder if future episodes of who the al is can be things that we chat about beforehand rather than us showing up and you surprising me yeah yeah i think that might make sense um because it sounds like you had some ideas and we didn't really talk about it outside of the show right now because the way that show always operated was we showed up and Al surprised me with a story. And so my surprise on those episodes is genuine because I never knew the story that Al was going to start talking about when we got there. Um, but I maybe if we do it in the future, we'll talk about it first. Make sure that there's something there to record an episode about. Any problems you have, I'll ask you appropriate questions to help you uh, get to the bottom of the answers of that story, Right. I mean, I teach screenwriting, so when it comes to developing screen narratives, even if it's you guessing what a story is about, it's kind of my job. That's what I do. So, yeah. Um, Hopefully, listeners, you don't mind this business stuff, but I wanted to take some time at the start of this episode, uh, in particular because it's an episode where, you know, we're talking about a big, big, big movie. I want to take time to talk to you about sort of where we stand with this show. And one of the things that ended up happening lately, and I wouldn't say we're experiencing burnout. I don't think we're getting tired of doing the show. But I think creatively, we were having a lot of problems with the setup of who the Al is and trying to accommodate that. Whereas when we ran into those problems with uh Oh man, the Al's Monster Stampede We sort of Slowly discontinued The show, and we're very honest With ourselves about where it went, but we've Loved who the Al is, so we tried Really, really hard, too hard to keep It going, Um, and we, and we Think it should be a thing that maybe we keep On the side, on the Back burner for when we have ideas Maybe we'll come back with who the Al is Old, once we actually have a chance to sit down And talk about it, since we've got Many, many days to work on podcasting stuff over the summer, as well as replay Elden Ring, because, you know,
0: yeah. I mean, it's summertime.
1: We got, I've only played through it once. Let's go. Yep. But, yeah, so, I don't know. Creatively, I was feeling like we needed a new direction, and I think we're going to keep working on new formats, new types of episodes. Listeners, if there's anything that you've ever thought, man, I would love it if they did this, that, or the other thing, if they had these kind of episodes or whatever. I'm not asking you to design our show or whatever, because, I mean, we'll come up with ideas. But if there's just stuff that you've always wanted to hear from us, we would love to know it so that we can maybe consider that and see if there's a way to work that into what we do. Because, you know, this show's a thing that we love, and we started doing it for us, and now other people love it too. And We're finding amazing people out in the world are listening to our show, and and now it feels like a communal endeavor. Yeah, you know? Yeah. anything else to add, bud? No. Yeah, so I guess the, the, end, of, the end of this whole thing is listeners, the show's going to be switching up a bit. You will be hearing less of who the Al is, but you will be hearing a lot more of Al talking about those very same movies that we covered on who the Al is like Alien and Predator and things like that, mm-hmm. right? And
0: it's kind of going back cuz like this is what happens like i cover all the movies i'm able to watch and then it starts getting a little harder to cover them but then i'm able to watch more movies so i have a bunch more coming out exactly and then it gets harder and like again and now that i'm and you get older yeah, you mature more and like this one opens up a lot of like more actual classic ones that i can now watch so yeah It will be going again. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I almost showed Al Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. But yeah, I mean, I I really think that we're moving into those movies that you all want to hear Al talk about in general. So, you know, granted things like Hellraiser, that won't happen anytime soon. Texas Chainsaw won't happen anytime soon. But there are plenty of them that in light of Al being able to watch Robocop, we can work into it. Like I said, Predator, I think, is way up there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We'll talk more also at the end of the episode when we get to Patreon, when we plug that. We'll tell you all about a new series that Al came up with for Patreon that we're going to do that I'm actually really, really, really excited about. Mm -hmm. So uh, stay tuned to the end for that. But Al, RoboCop, let's first talk about why this is appropriate for this show, or how it's appropriate for this show. Namely, can we justify this as a monster movie? Yes. All right, let's hear it.
0: So, it's, like, a little weird, the monster part about this. There's definitely monsters, but, like, it's it's a little complicated to explain, like, the monster part.
1: Do you mean by monsters, like, actual monsters, like, hairy with fangs or what?
0: Yeah, it's, like... A th- That's what I meant. Like, it's not like any of the normal monsters. It's like, like, the monsters in this movie are kind of like the people, really. Yes,
1: yeah, very much so. (laughs) The OCP characters are, by and large, monsters. Not so much Dan O'Herlihy's The Old Man, I suppose, Uh, but, like... That's just because we don't really spend any time with him. We spend more time with Dick Jones and Bob Morton, those characters, uh, Ronnie Cox's and uh, Miguel Ferrer's characters. Spend a lot more time with them and especially Dick Jones. Monsters, absolute monsters. So basically the monsters are like the greedy anything for a buck. We don't care how many bodies are left in our wake. We want that money. Yeah. And that, to me, is so much scarier than a monster that might live in your closet. A human who might smile at you, shake your hand. The next day, they're putting policies in place that are going to ruin your life, and they know it. That's scary to me.
0: Yeah, (sighs) that's that is kind of some of my scarier nightmares.
1: Yeah, that that that, that's a nightmare. Absolutely, Clarence Bodiker and his gang. The other monsters; those are the the goons, the drug dealers, and stuff. Yeah, who work for Ronnie like, Cox.
0: They're kind of like criminals working for businessmen.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Which is like, which makes that the businessmen criminals.
1: And they were already probably sort of white collar criminals to begin with. I think we don't get the sense that <laughs> Dick Jones is above any sort of white collar crime but he really does involve himself in this other criminal element he's not really involved in the drug dealing and stuff I don't think he cares about any of that Yeah, he seems to want Clarence Boddicker who's played by Kurtwood Smith um, he seems to want Clarence to do the dirty work and take care of people he needs taken care of and in turn he provides Clarence with the ability to you know, sell drugs to the construction workers who are going to be building this new OCP city, you know, the new Detroit.
0: Yeah. And he also, like, gives them, like, access to, like, military weapons.
1: Oh, yeah. Those, those cannons that they walk Dude, around with yeah. at the end.
0: Those are, like, mini RPGs plus cannons plus guns.
1: Yeah, that sounds wildly violent, too. Which reminds me, we didn't do parental guidance. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with parental guidance here. Yeah. Parental guidance. Here we go. Al, get us going.
0: One, at the literal beginning, a guy gets absolutely wrecked by a robot. And yeah, that's... right.
1: Ed 209.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Which sounds really funny. I mean ed 209 sounds funny
1: that's what i meant oh i thought you said it was funny that the guy got shot up and i guess like that is funny to some people or whatever no that's not what i meant i I think you're a little too young to find that funny no (laughs) that's
0: not what i meant i meant ed 209 actually sounds funny
1: and i'll tell you too there's a lot of this movie that will open up to you as you get older there's stuff in this movie that i did not appreciate in the least until i got older And even this time that we watched it, I was still finding new stuff to appreciate that I'd never really picked up on before because it's so smart, this movie. But yes, so, uh, graphically violent, Alistair was able to watch most of it and his eyes were covered for, you know, chunks, right? Yeah. So, like, there were definitely chunks of the movie where you covered your eyes, Where I told you you should probably cover your eyes because I knew what you can and can't handle. That's another whole part of this show. Listeners, if you're new to what we're doing here, we're very big on making sure that whatever goes into Alistair's head is stuff that he can handle. And therefore, when a scene's coming up that I know Alistair's going to have trouble with or he's, you know, it's going to give him nightmares or whatever, like, cover his eyes. It's really that simple, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, can he still hear it? Sure. I can explain to him even what's happening. But the point is, you didn't see it. Like, mm-hmm. the toxic I know waste what happens. man.
0: Like, yeah. if I know what happens there, I'm like, okay, cool.
1: Yeah, uh, you got it.
0: But I know that I couldn't, like, yeah, I know I couldn't take it.
1: The, the toxic waste man in particular, yeah, Alistair. Yeah, because it sounds
0: a lot like uh, The Incredible Melting Man, which is not incredible at all. <laughs> I don't like that movie. <laughs>
1: Oh, some William Sachs shade on here. Oh, boy. (laughs) That
0: movie still gets me nightmares.
1: Does it? Yes. Oh, and see, the thing is, too, listeners, I want to point out for you, if you're like, wow, how could you show that to Al? It was on Mystery Science Theater. Yes. And we were just watching episodes of Mystery Science Theater. And And I've
0: never heard of it.
1: There was, I'd never seen it before either. I mean, I assumed it was going to be gross or whatever, but they show a surprising lot of gore in that episode. Uh, on The the Incredible Melting Man. But, yeah. So, we shut that off pretty quickly. So, I, And here's the thing, though, bud. hmm You will rewatch it one day, and you're going to see. It's not scary at all. No. It's actually mostly horribly boring.
0: Yeah, it's just the first, like, part. That's like, when like you start first. seeing
1: him. Like, once you get used to watching him melt, and you realize that, like, it's just they're just having goop fall off of this actor who's in, like, a mask. Yeah. Once you get
0: used to that, and then you'll be like fine. it starts off like when like um best of the worst, I think covered it. Maybe I don't oh, know. They, they did, yeah yeah, 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 They were like the first part of the movie was like really gory, but then it just got really boring.
1: Yeah, yeah, and of course Al, Al I should also point out Al doesn't like regularly watch <laughs> Red Letter Media either. Yeah. He's just occasionally wandered through the room and and caught bits and pieces. So mm-hmm. there's that, but. Um, And also because like the topics of that show are definitely more mature and require explanations of things that I that really Al doesn't need in his head at this point. Um, Not that some of those things aren't addressed in Robocop, but definitely not as directly and definitely went over my head as a kid. But okay, so enough of Incredible Melting Man (laughs) violence, graphic violence. Uh graphic language there's a lot of swearing and a lot of language, yes. a lot of talk about things that kids shouldn't know about or probably i mean just to save them the the horrors of certain realities of the world uh but again went over my head as a kid, and Al didn't notice them at all or ask questions about them, even though I know he doesn't know anything about it, so that's good um graphic violence, graphic language, what else?
0: Um, like, just like, um, I'm trying to think of a way to say it. Um, like,
1: when you think just about criminal it,
0: criminal things. Like, oh, things that you should not do.
1: Oh, 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 so things like they're dealing drugs and yeah, stuff like also that. Like, Destruction of property. Yeah, and then
0: like, When they're trying to shoot like the cops and then one of their guys gets shoot and they just throw them out of the truck.
1: Right. There's the, the callousness of the criminals. That's one of the things that really disturbed me as a kid about Clarence Boddicker and his gang. The fact that they have so much fun together and they seem to be friends, but they are highly expendable to one another. That's upsetting to me. Like, I don't know that disturbed me as a kid. Because I didn't want to think about friendship in that way, you know. But, like, that is one of the points of the movie is that to a lot of people in the world, others are, you know, just expendable. They are tools to be used for your benefit. And as a satire of, you know, corporate America and also the, you know, the institutions we have here, you know, for... Uh, You know, law and order, our judicial system, our police, all of this stuff is highly criticized in this movie. And none of it's made to look very good (laughs) at all. And uh, the criminal element pervades every single layer of this society, including the cops. And there's actually a lot more about the police corruption in the second one. But there's still, you know, a hint of it here. Uh, in the original RoboCop, but largely because OCP runs the police department now. They, they're, they like, in charge of the cops in Detroit. So, yeah. But that's a good call. Language, violence, crime. There's some nudity, for sure. Uh, it's sort of incidental nudity in most cases, just sort of in the background. Uh, what else?
0: I can't think of anything else
1: yeah i I feel like we may be missing something that we'll come to at length, but you know i i think it's it's also worth mentioning from a parental guidance perspective that the satire in this movie is very very rich, and satire is something that is difficult of course, for children to process because they don't have the context of you know this this knowledge base to be able to process what the commentary is in a movie like this. But that's not like necessarily a thing that you have to worry about so much. But when your kid is ready to watch RoboCop, it is worth like, you know, having some discussions about the things that the movie is covering. Cause we did, you know, we talked Mm -hmm. about the stuff with corporate America and you know, how something like ed 209 could come into creation and be released and still be this thing that is horribly, horribly dangerous, right? hmm Like, I don't know, Tylenol or whatever, you know? Uh, did you know that Tylenol is, like, highly dangerous?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you told me that.
1: Yeah, it's like all you have to do... I think if you take twice the amount of recommended Tylenol over the course of a couple of days, your, like, liver will shut down or your kidneys will fail something or something. Something like that. And it's only two times the recommended dosage for a couple of days. Whereas, like I think you'd have to take ten times the dosage of ibuprofen for like a week or something to have a similar yeah effect, but yeah, it's just how capitalism functions and the film has all this commentary on it, but anyway, Alistair, let's get back to the movie. There's your parental guidance, everybody. If you have any questions about it, I think this is something that we should throw out there too, if you have questions about content that You know, maybe like you haven't seen the movie or something and you're curious whether you could show your kid, does it have this, that or the other thing that you know your kid can't handle or that you don't want your kid seeing at all for some reason or we just didn't cover a particular type of content. Hit us up. I mean, I think really at this point when we're starting to deal with more rated R movies, we will... We definitely want to open ourselves up to more of that discussion with uh, you listeners about what's going on in these movies so that, you know, we can we can help each other out in this. You know, uh, our listeners have helped us out so incredibly. Yeah. We'll do the same. So email us, hit us up on uh Critics and Creeps Club, Twitter, whatever. Ask us any questions you have about the content and we are more than happy to chime in. And in fact... I will make sure that if we get those questions, I will get you the answer from Alistair himself. Mm-hmm. So, moving along. Al, take the reins. Robocop. Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, let's start at the beginning. Frankly, I I forgot what's at the beginning because it, there's like TV
1: t- stuff. It's all the, the news, the fake news and commercials and things. I don't... You don't remember all the news and commercials throughout the movie? When they're showing, like, oh, the old yeah, TV yeah. sets and...
0: I remember. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. that's a big running thing that is easily overlooked, I suppose, if you're not No, really... I meant, like,
0: I forgot what the beginning of the movie is because there's, like, three things. I remember close to the beginning there was, like, news, there was also at 209, then there was... Uh, them with a criminal, like our mm. cops with the criminals. And I don't know where they were in the movie. So.
1: Oh, well, it has been like a week since we watched it. Um, We watched it like right at the end of my quarter and Al's school year. And then we were like, we got to record about it. But we just didn't have time because it was like finals week for me and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, we ran out of time. Um, so, the, the order is a little bit confusing to you, you're saying here. Just memory's a yeah, little bit fuzzy. I
0: know they're at the beginning of the movie, but yeah, I don't that's know all where the they are.
1: Yeah. So, that's yeah. fine. It's at the beginning. We don't need to know the precise order. Yeah. But, like, what do you want to talk about there? So,
0: with Ed 209, kind of like. Basically, Ed 209, it's like the future of police force. Right. Like, and when it shows it, I am.
1: What is Ed 209?
0: It's, um. It's like a police robot,
1: yeah, yep,
0: it also when I first saw it, um, it also kind of looks like a thing i would I would think of with my Legos,
1: yeah, it's got a very simple design, it's just yeah. that big boxy tank bit, gun arms, and then <laughs> these big old honking legs, yeah, did you know we have an ed two o nine toy behind you
0: there, yeah, yeah, yeah there you go, mm, mm-hmm. um. It does sound very funny. It's also stop motion, which goes with how it sounds, too. Yeah.
1: Well, when it's walking around, it's stop motion, right? Yeah. It's not uh, stop motion in some shots. In some shots, it is just a prop, but it's like a big prop. It's like probably made out of wood or whatever. Yeah, it's huge. The stop motion was done by... Was that done by Phil Tippett's company? Yeah. Was that in the documentary we watched?
0: I'm pretty sure... Yeah,
1: yeah. We watched a, a documentary from the Monster Collection Blu-ray set. Uh, it's a, a couple documentaries about old school special effects artists, and one of those docs is entirely about Phil Tippett, whose Mad God is coming out on yeah. Shudder. Oof! Excited about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, stop motion in part.
0: Um and. Yeah, and Ed 209 is – it's stop motion goes, makes sense too because of how it sounds, right?
1: Mm, right, right, Cause right. Because like,
0: it's like both of them, RoboCop and Ed 209, have the same thing at paper cutters.
1: Right, as I like, understand it. And let me let me, let me me at least like it, share though. this because th- what Al's going to talk about is something that we were taught when I was an undergrad in film school. Uh, RoboCop was used – As an example of teaching us sound design, meaningful, purposeful sound design in a movie and the way that they created the sounds for Ed 209 versus the way that they created the sounds for uh, Robocop. Are very, very different philosophically yeah. for a main like a one main reason or a multiple reasons, I guess, mm-hmm. not just one, but a lot of reasons so al uh when we were watching the movie, I was explaining to him how the sounds were created so mm-hmm. that he could listen for it because it is fascinating, right
0: yeah so- and also
1: because Al's a kid, given like talking about the production of the film insofar as I understand it also makes the movie easier for him to watch and not be disturbed by because I can point out when it's a person in a costume or how the sound design was done. And
0: also sometimes I can notice that myself because I've gotten pretty good at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Al's really, really good at that.
0: Yeah, I realized basically immediately when Ed 209 started walking, I'm like, that's stop motion. Like, basically immediately.
1: Yeah, and if you look back at our episode where Al and... Uh, misty tally we're talking and he's he picked up on all the little the little tricks you know mm-hmm. so i've
0: gotten very good at seeing strings too which makes <laughs> it more funny yeah. like yeah
1: and i love that stuff too mm-hmm. i mean as a filmmaker myself you yeah. know
0: like the one time we saw one frame where you could see the top of the production booth in the godzilla movie
1: right of the studio yeah, yeah. yep and, one frame that was
0: it <laughs> yeah it, and it was pretty great because you like you could literally see it it was like just the clips, like the lights and like all the metal yeah, stuff. Yeah, I like,
1: love stuff like that. I yeah. love the reflections of film crews and windows of cars and things. I love that stuff. I i like, I like seeing the kind of the
0: boom mic shadows are great.
1: Like, yeah, boom mics, boom mic shadows. Absolutely love it. I mean, even in a movie like RoboCop, it does, like if I see something like that, it's not going to ruin the movie RoboCop huh? for me. All it's going to do is sort of serve as a reminder in that moment that there were people working really hard on this. You know, there's somebody there. Like if you see a boom mic and you're like, oh, how did they get the microphone in the shot? Look at a picture of somebody holding a boom mic. Now, have you ever seen somebody holding a boom mic? They hold it like this, like up above their head. They're holding a stick for minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes on end as a take is going on. Or they're holding it down below and they got to keep it below the camera frame, right? And Mm -hmm. either way, it requires like holding something in a very specific position for a very long time without getting into the frame of the shot, which you can't see. (laughs) So like it's a really hard job. And anytime I see a boom mic, as funny as it is to me to go, ah, boom mic. I also then think about the fact that there is a person standing there working really, really hard.
0: It's also kind of funny when you see the crew in the shot.
1: Yep, love that stuff too. Evil Dead has a crew member in the shot. Evil Dead, they're supposed to be out in the middle of nowhere at a cabin. And when they're like way far away from civilization, there's just a dude standing off in a bush. (laughs) And it's like a production uh, crew member. I don't know, a producer, Mm, I think. I
0: remember in Night of the Living Dead, there was one on the stairs. Like Like when they're taking the lady remember um, like the oh. yeah and then we also noticed that she doesn't have her makeup on it's just an actual just normal lady just a lady
1: without her face eaten off like, by zombies yeah, yeah and then rules. in that
0: same one it was like really hard to see but like kind of in just the background there was just a guy there right s- standing there yeah the- but we're
1: not talking about RoboCop yeah. anymore let's go back to RoboCop
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> we get very distracted
1: <laughs> um so at 209 comes in It's flawed, right? I think it's a good thing to start with ED-209 because it's ED-209's flaws that result in the creation of RoboCop.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Which is, and it makes sense because of how it sounds. They're both, their sound is both from paper cutters, but very different.
1: Industrial paper cutters. Industrial. Again, Um, as I was taught it. Yes
0: ed 209s is the manual one where you crank it like you have to crank it
1: very imprecise very manual
0: um and there is in the background and sometimes it's easier sometimes it's not there's also the sound of pigs squealing there in like very faintly but sometimes very easy to notice
1: yeah sometimes it's the primary sound in the scene the pigs
0: literally there's a scene where it's the only sound. Right. Like, the the paper cutter is there, but... When
1: it's, like, on its back, like, yeah. kicking. It's, it's it, really it, shrieking. And it just
0: squeals like a pig. There's a paper yeah. cutter, but very, like...
1: Like, really, really chunky, really clunky. So when it moves, that sound, as I was taught it again, and I... If this is incorrect, I'm sorry. But it's just what we learned in film school. And it makes sense. Um, but it makes sense. And it's actually a cool story that if it is true, then is really, really good. For filmmakers to consider and if it's not true it still conveys that philosophy but it's a the clunkiness of when he steps you know is very that manual uh you know industrial mm-hmm. paper cutter chung, 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 right yeah. uh robocop by contrast
0: is one of the like the automated like auto paper cutters like the ones that just do it without anybody like doing much. Yeah, so it's precise. It's it's precise and accurate and like like in very um like sharp too. Right. So it's like if you would take Ed two oh nine is kind of like Ed two oh nine is something modern day and then Robocop would be something like high tech. Kind of. Sure,
1: it's a, it's the difference between, you know, manual and animalistic and something that is, you know, high-tech and independently operating on its own, right? Because mm-hmm. ED-209 re, re, uh, requires a whole control panel and multiple people controlling ED-209 in the beginning. RoboCop doesn't. Uh, oh. The other thing going on in RoboCop's sound design is the hydraulics.
0: Yeah. Like, zzz,
1: like, those kind of noises, you know? Yeah, yeah When yeah. he moves. Yeah. Those are that's called hydraulics. That's another thing that, you know, and also I believe it is an automated process that they used for that, but I could be wrong. But the the idea is to, yeah, make Ed 209 look like a robot, but sound like an like a dying animal or like an angry yeah. animal. Really off-putting. Something we can't connect to, but then Robocop sounds very precise, you know, in its roboticness. I don't know, is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> roboticness? Like, Ro- well, robot roboticity, and mm, also when he talks, when he makes noises, he sounds like a person. So, yeah,
0: and Ed two hundred nine is like it's a very computerized voice. It's like right, the voice sounds to me like I could just go on to like a Google voice and pick out Ed two hundred nine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, I wish would be great
0: because it sounded a lot like if you would go on to the things where you can make. Like people say when you type in, sounds yeah. like you just go on and find like Ed 209's voice.
1: And then like, it's got like that computer voice, but then it'll make pig noises too. And the idea is psychologically, the the filmmakers here want us to like Robocop, identify with Robocop, side with Robocop, and dislike Ed two oh nine. Not necessarily dislike, like yeah. I love Ed Two O nine. I yeah. think Ed Two O Nine's amazing cool. But Mentally, like subconsciously, when you just the
0: pigs. Like,
1: yeah, it's off Yeah,
0: they're like,
1: mm-hmm. it's not a thing you would necessarily want to spend time with. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: you wouldn't want to spend time around pigs. They you can don't... get all muddy and like messy and stuff.
1: <laughs> I mean, more Ed Two Hundred Nine. Like, I couldn't ah, trust Ed Two Hundred Nine even if I knew it worked. <laughs> right? Because it's making pig noises and stuff. I would get, I would get as far away from that thing as possible.
0: I kind of I kind of feel like I I want to just get some oil, oil and pour it on it so that it sounded better.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, it needs a good greasing up, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Like a
1: pig. Like a greased up pig.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But <laughs> there's, there's Ed 209 and Robocop. What's interesting is, like, as a kid, to me, that was the heart of the movie, was Robocop and Ed 209. But, like... That's hardly any of the movie. There's almost none of the movie that's Ed 209 and RoboCop together. It's just like those two scenes, and we get the Ed 209 scene up front. There's not mm-hmm. much Ed 209.
0: Also, or like, three
1: scenes? No, two. Two hmm? with two with RoboCop, right? Yeah. When he tries to arrest Dick Jones, and then when he shows back up at the end.
0: And then no, no with the stairs, the stairs.
1: Yeah, that's he when stairs, he's. That's when he goes. Um,
0: when the. Uh, I think Ed Nine's there when um, he's getting attacked by the police. I think I, I remember Ed 209 that was, being there.
1: That was the end of that same sequence because he, uh, yeah, 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 he goes yeah he in to arrest Dick Jones, then he ends up on the stairs, then he ends up outside. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so, like two signs, yeah. But okay, um, we didn't
1: talk about um, RoboCop himself.
0: Also, I had one more thing to say about Ed 209. Okay. Ed 209 is like 75% leg.
1: Uh, Ed 209 has a lot of legs. That is true. Like, it's just... It's all leg.
0: Like, legs? It's like legs. Basically, three-fourths of it is legs.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like well, they, And, of
1: course, in the Phil Tippett documentary, they talked about how they created Ed 209 and what it was based off of. And when I say it's a uh, Phil Tippett creation... Phil Tippett Studios creation. I don't think, I don't think Tippett was the one who actually designed Ed 209, but one of the people working for Phil Tippett did.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But yeah.
1: But, uh, okay. Now to our cops. Mm -hmm. Let's talk, let's talk Uh, about them. We got, uh, Murphy and we got Lewis. Yep. Those are our cops in the beginning. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Murphy's Uh, a
1: wide-eyed, idealistic cop who's been transferred by OCP to the worst department in Detroit, future Detroit, that's, like, so crime-ridden that... I mean, it's also, like, a, a, a satire of Detroit as it stood at the time anyway, but it's, like, absolute chaos in this film's Detroit. Yeah. Like, all day, every day, everybody's dying, getting shot. They need tank robots to take over the city mm-hmm. and control things. That's which how is bad it's gotten. why they gone.
0: made Ad 209, which, ew.
1: But it's also Dick Jones's fault that the city is as bad as it is, yeah. right? It's these people's fault, going back to your assertion of their, like, monsterness.
0: Like, they made it? Monstrosity,
1: there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that but, is a real word.
0: mm mm-hmm. um, Like, but I see, like, why they did it. They made it so crime ridden that they make it like better with all the police, and then they would get like all the like praise and stuff. So they did it.
1: Well, yeah, they it's, it has a lot of and the, and this is stuff that was definitely over your head for sure. But the reason that Ed Two Hundred Nine is created is. Um, It's largely kind of um, a bureaucratic political ploy on Dick Jones's part to kind of take over the company. Dick Jones wants to run OCP after the old man dies or whatever. It's also something that they hope to get military contracts with, or they have gotten military contracts with, so that OCP can make a whole bunch of money off of all these Ed 209s. And then you don't have to worry about people. You don't have to send people off into war zones, you don't have to send people off to police. You can just mechanize the whole thing and save money mm-hmm. right and and of course it's this horrible nightmare late capitalism world where human beings are disposable and ownable and that's yeah. what happens to poor murphy
0: though frankly makes is like it's just
1: the stuff with murphy's yeah. death
0: like no yeah yeah i guess he did die
1: yeah well yes yeah he does he does um murphy played by peter weller uh, Nancy Allen plays his partner, Lewis. Uh, I, I, I just think the cast is unbelievable. So <laughs> it's, it's worth mentioning. I mean, down into like the the gang, the Clarence Boddicker gang, even Ray Wise is there amongst the gang. So it's quite an amazing cast.
0: Also, I want to say every time I look at Rogue Will Cop, I start to feel a little hotter because that suit looks really odd.
1: It it does look really really hot. You're right, like, but Peter Weller makes it look so good. The way that he moves
0: in it, that thing, yeah, and it makes it look like he's an he's actually RoboCop.
1: Yeah, like, Peter Weller's such a phenomenal actor. He's so good. I can't wait to show you more of his movies. Uh, Al's never seen Buckaroo Banzai. Maybe we should do Buckaroo Banzai for the show. Oh, that would be good. That'd be fun. We also don't plan on just doing like rated R movies and stuff listeners. No, I should I should no. mention that. Uh it's just that we have those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So we'll mix them in every once in a while. Yeah. But uh yeah, Murphy gets horribly killed on duty. I did duty. not see that scene. Al, Al did not see that scene. That was another one I made Al close his eyes during because I knew that he wouldn't respond to it in a positive way at all <laughs> um or that he would even be able to handle it. So I didn't have him watch Murphy's death. You know, he could hear it, and I was, like, explaining it and sort of also explaining the effects of what was happening at the time, because uh, this is where Al learned about squibs. Yep. I got to teach Al about squibs um, <laughs> during our viewing of RoboCop. What's a squib?
0: Um, A squib is, like, where you put in an actor when, like, if they would get, like, shot, or adding, like, with that, and then blood would come out. Squibs are, like, little things you put on there, which have stuff that looks like blood and would kind of, like, explode.
1: Yeah, not they kind of like explosions. Yeah, They're like they small explosions.
0: Explode. Yeah, yeah, but like not dangerous, really. I mean, they
1: are dangerous yeah. if they are misapplied. I was watching something the other day where they had put in a squib backwards. What was that? Oh, I think it was that. Um, oh, it was uh, it was a uh, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker uh, on Joe Bob Briggs, and he was talking about how they put a squib in backwards on uh. One of the characters in the movie, I almost said who it was, spoilers uh, for a movie we're not even talking about, really. But on one of the actors, they had put a squib on backwards and in the shot, like this person shrieks because it explodes inward at their body. Yeah. So it's dangerous. They are dangerous. But like if a professional is doing it, then like it's not like it's controlled, you know, it's Mm -hmm. safe if a professional does it well. Yeah. And everybody does what they're told. But yeah. Al didn't watch that. But then, of course, Murphy, who is contractually owned by OCP, they just take his corpse and they just jam parts of it in a robot body. Yeah. They make him into a cyborg.
0: And, like, he doesn't remember anything.
1: No, yeah, they wipe his memory. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, and they're like, like, they even, like, lose the arm. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, when Bob comes in and it's and they they're like, yeah, we managed to save the arm. All they could save of him was like his head, presumably his brain. Uh,
0: I think, probably
1: some organs. I should I think. think.
0: Part. I think they, I think it was some of his chest. I think.
1: Yeah, probably some vital organs, that kind then, of thing. But wonder- then his arm. <laughs>
0: Not the arm that gets destroyed, though.
1: Well, yeah, because the very first thing that happens to Murphy... You didn't see it, but he gets his hand shot off. So, like, his one arm's completely gone. I think that's
0: the only thing I remember.
1: No, you didn't watch that.
0: Really? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it was about to happen, and I made you close your eyes. I was like, no, 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 no. You don't need this yet.
0: Okay. Yeah, I feel like one of the parts that's smart about RoboCop and not ED-209 is that, one, RoboCop is, like... He is a human, like, too, so he also has the things like a human, so it's easier for him to do things like a human, not like Ed 209.
1: Yeah, what you're saying is he has, like, um, decision-making capabilities.
0: Yeah, and he has, like, he has, he looks exactly like a human, so he could do things that humans can do. Like,
1: walk downstairs?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Ed 209 doesn't even have, like, actual feet. He doesn't even have hands. Nope. Or arms. So Actually, I guess he does have arms.
1: Well, I mean it has arms, but they're they're giant like gatling guns. It's yeah. crazy. And he
0: can't even grab onto anything and his feet are too big, which is why he does not need to be 75% legs.
1: Mm, I see. <laughs> yeah, and I mean RoboCop's humanity though is one of like
0: It's this, part of the movie. It's uh, yeah. it's like the main part really.
1: You mean of the story?
0: Yeah, yeah. In what way? Why don't also, you talk like, about that? one of the parts that I really like.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad. Because that's um, what I wanted to talk about next myself. So, yeah. why, don't you, like, why don't you lead so the So, you way? have
0: Robocop, who he starts off, like, first thing you see, prime objectives, which is, like, prime. yeah, yeah. why would you even give it that?
1: It's got, it's, like, primary directives. Yeah. Cause he's Because um, he's got a computerized brain. They wipe Murphy's memory, or so they think. Um... You know they do, but not. Kind of, but kind of. But it's a big part of the movie. That's actually a, a major part of the, his arc. Yeah,
0: the prime directives are um, uphold the law, protect the innocent. Um. Oh, something about the criminal. Something about criminals.
1: I don't remember. <laughs> You're right. Those are those are those. But then there's then, also the one about that's revealed later.
0: Yeah, and then there's... But there's the, fourth, the secret one. The fourth one that's like... The, the fourth one is like objective four classified. I don't remember the third one, though.
1: Actually, I'm, I'm looking the, it up. <laughs>
0: it's like...
1: <laughs> okay, Robocop Prime directives list. Serve the public trust.
0: Yes, serve pro- the public trust. Protect the innocent. Uphold the law.
1: And then the uh, fourth one, the secret one, we find out later because OCP is corrupt in these... They, People are monsters. they
0: own him. Because they
1: own him, they own the police. Any attempt to arrest a senior officer of OCP results in shutdown. So, mm-hmm. yeah, cannot in any way <laughs> arrest a standing officer of OCP. Yep. So basically making themselves literally above the law. Yeah. And I mean, they've already taken a human. And, like, chopped their body up and made, like, a machine out of it. So, Mm. I mean, humanity.
0: Humanity, they brought it back to life. But, like, what it's about is also kind of, like, discovering yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Like, he's
0: discovering himself. He's rediscovering, like, himself. Which is, like, a kind of the main part of the movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you saw that, man, because mm-hmm. it really it really is the heart of the film. He has had his memory erased, but you like they can't erase everything that he is, because it's still his brain.
0: Because if you erased everything he is, he couldn't do things like walk.
1: <laughs> and talk. You know, yeah. Or anything. Yeah. So
0: they couldn't erase all of it, but it's this thing. So, but... He's like rediscovering
1: it. Yeah, like... he's he's got like traces of memories. Like little what we call in screenwriting memory flashes. Yeah. Right? And that's and that's all he can remember is these little zoom zoom these little flashes of images and experiences. His son talking to him, seeing his wife, his house, just these little little things, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. And one of my favorite parts is you get to see what he sees mm-hmm. like through his computerized vision
1: when he goes which, into the house
0: yeah, like in sometimes in movies, like you get like the um human eyes vision, which looks nothing like what people would like see the
1: POV, like yeah. the p o v yeah in in what way does it not look like the way people would see
0: um uh-huh. because one it just it's small.
1: Oh, and you mean like, like when it, it does it, when it does like the little eye hole shapes on the screen?
0: Yeah, and sometimes it makes oh. it like this too, and it looks exactly any way you, you do mean, it.
1: And Al's Al's sort of uh, physically <laughs> pantomiming, limiting his perspective. But you're like, talking about like when they do like a shot like that where it's. And then um,
0: sometimes they actually have it like not just that, but like like sometimes they have it like a square. And like any way they do it, it looks nothing like it. Mm. And it never convinces me. But well, when you I mean, see that's it out not of the
1: point though.
0: Yeah. I mean but... it's not really the point. But, mm, but there when are... you see it out of Robocop size, it makes sense because it's yes. a computer.
1: I did want to point something out though, Alistair, because what you're getting at and what I'm trying to convey to the listeners, because you keep pantomiming it. Uh, all of these things you are pantomiming. They can't see anything of it. Um, I keep but... forgetting that. <laughs> yeah um but like shots like when you have like a pair of binoculars and a character is looking through the pair of binoculars and it has like the goofy binocular shape on the screen and things like that that aren't really like we see it's
0: yeah it's like just because how it's a it's, an, a it's a it's a
1: it's an approximation yeah it's meant to convey something conceptually whether or not it's accurate and so like
0: because that the, you have to get ugh. over as a
1: watch, as a viewer because like, it's just
0: weird because when you say that it's supposed to convey it, they know how it looks though, which is the part that confuses me the most.
1: Well, at the same time, there's there's probably no better way to do some things than the way we do it, or yeah, we've true. never come up with one. And so, because and this is this gets us into what we would call the language of cinema, where. Certain things represent other things consistently throughout, you know, uh, the entirety of film and and television, too. From one work to the other, if you show something in a very specific way, then audiences are going to interpret it that way. Like when I say the word hello, those sounds are just sounds. Hello, right? Those sounds just sounds. But to you, they mean something. To somebody else who doesn't speak English, it might mean nothing. It's just, why didn't didn't you say hello, like, in our language, you know? Like, why would you say that? It's just the language that you speak. And film and television use a very specific language as well that's evolving just like any other language. And so it used to be we did a lot more of, like, those hokey, you know, uh, cropped images to make, like, binocular eyes or whatever, but... No matter whether we do that or just kind of move a camera in a way where it's like somebody's walking through the woods and looking around, we know what it means, and that's the important thing. As long as we understand that, we can follow the story. It's not meant to be 100% convincing. I mean, look at what happens, and I'm not going to say who, I guess, because maybe some of you haven't seen RoboCop, and you really should. Uh, Somebody falls out a window at one point, And their arms become, like, three times as long? You remember that? Um... uh. Well, I guess you'll have to watch RoboCop again.
0: Wait, I'm trying to think. I I remember somebody falling out the window. I remember who, but I don't remember their arms getting three times longer. I'll
1: show you. We didn't (laughs) comment on it at the time, but... Uh, it is it is something that you will find really amusing. I'll show it to you. After I just we're remember done them
0: looking really like not like a human at all.
1: Yeah, because they were stop motion. It was, yeah. it was really
0: wild. Though, but yeah. Um,
1: well, let's go back to um, RoboCop's uh, internal journey. This is this is something that is really powerful in the film, and I want to hear you talk more about. You know, later on in life, you'll understand the satire more. You know, if we're doing creative projects like this together, when you're older, we can come back to RoboCop and talk about these elements in greater depth. You know, especially things like the, the handling of television and politics and all that kind of stuff. But I want to hear you talk more about his journey of self-discovery. Because it's something that I admire about the film because it's not something that he talks about. It's not a thing that the movie ever outwardly addresses at length. But you know it's there. Mm -hmm. The remake, they talk about that a lot. (laughs) Like it's something that the movie is about in a more direct way. The original, it's subordinated to the basic plot of this is a man turned into a robot by an evil corporation. So that's the story. Everything else is the, the richness to it, the texture of it. And what you're talking about is his character arc, which makes the movie meaningful for the audience. If the character learns something and grows, it makes the journey through the movie feel that much more worthwhile.
0: Yeah. Um. And, like, he starts off, like, what starts off, basically just a robot doing what, like, is supposed to happen. Like, just doing it like he was programmed to do, and, like, eventually, he just starts, like, it's just over time, as he starts to keep doing it, he just starts to, like, become a human, and, like, so it's really, like, he becomes a human, really, um, and... It gets more and more like just like it gets more intense. I like not intense, but um, there's more of it over time. He becomes more human over time, and that's like basically his whole character. Like, what he's doing is becoming. Um, more human, and that's like a lot of why stuff happens too because a lot of the movie is on him, um, like becoming a human. So,
1: well, that's true, yeah. So, it's a, about a human who becomes a robot and then, or a, a cyborg, um, and then a cyborg who becomes a human, right? So yeah. the, and that's that's even the point of the very, very Very last moment of the movie. The very, very, very last moment of the movie is the final button on that journey for RoboCop. And I won't spoil it. I think it's one of the greatest moments to end a movie that I've ever seen. Um, Oh, yes. I I saw this in the theater. I'd mentioned this to you. um, But when I first moved to Chicago, I went to a sci-fi movie marathon that closed with Robocop. Robocop was last film, they showed it on 35mm, ended right around midnight, 2 a.m., I don't remember which, and that last moment hits, and then it smash cuts to credits, and the amazing score kicks in, and it's I mean the audience burst into applause, standing ovation, what a way to end a show. What a way to end a movie. Who boy um it it's really really powerful but i'll skip ahead a little bit because i also like a lot this one line because i think it really explains how hard this journey is for robocop because he he feels human right like he feels it but all he remembers clearly is the robocop stuff they wiped his memory and so He tells Lewis in one scene later on when he's asking about Murphy's wife and kid. And that's how he puts it, too. He says Murphy had a wife and kid. Where are they? Right. And he's talking about Murphy like he is because he's Robocop, you know, like he hasn't Murphy's been erased. And he says. I can't remember them, but I can feel them. Yeah, that's powerful stuff
0: like yeah in him talking about himself in third person like
1: it shows how distant he is from murphy right yeah
0: yeah which yeah very powerful
1: yeah anything else you want to talk about before we get into beastly best where i'm assuming we'll talk about things that we haven't talked about
0: yeah um no I don't- anything
1: else okay cool that's a nice broad look at robocop you know i mean we didn't talk about a lot of the stuff that i'm sure people wanted us to talk about the i'd buy that for a dollar guy the fact that the chioto brothers were doing the uh some of the they did the one commercial
0: oh with the, the yeah dinosaur, we need right? to talk about that
1: yeah, we didn't talk about that, but they did uh, a commercial. There was,
0: other com- there was other ones. Oh,
1: lots I of forgot. Fake commercials.
0: I really forgot all of them because I just liked the one that the Chiodo brothers made. So my brain just forgot, forgot the rest of them.
1: Right, for the, the 6,000 SUX, the yeah. car. And
0: I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. I really need to remember this. So my brain just forgot the rest of all the commercials, basically, <laughs> right. and all the, the news.
1: I think that's also the the most... And this is the last thing I'll say before we jump into the uh, the segments. But I think that commercial is one of the easiest places to look for the satire in RoboCop. Uh, because the car is called 6000SUX. How would you pronounce SUX?
0: It, it, it sucks.
1: Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> 6000 sucks. And it's this <laughs> this really clear statement about how these things that we value so much that like, the it's like a status symbol, having this car makes you, you know, a better person or whatever, but the thing itself is meaningless. It sucks, right? All of that, the, the materialism that this world is wrapped up in means nothing when people are suffering horribly, right? And it's like, it, it's such a Oh, It's so rich, this movie. So many layers for a father-son podcast to get into that when, you know, our host here is 10. I think we've got as far into it as we can. I don't think we could get much further without, you know, just me lecturing at Alistair more than I already um, have, probably.
0: No, frankly, I also feel like they're also saying something about money, like that they need money. Right. 6000 sucks like they're saying that $6000 sucks it's not enough
1: oh well that like, may be true too um, like but it wasn't this, a $6000 thing it's just like nah. the model number of it mm-hmm. but but no you're right that like the everything involved with this material aspect of this world it's pointless mm-hmm. right i mean look at look at what robocop himself Achieves and becomes, despite himself having one zero agency when he's first created, because the corporation has taken away his agency. Two, he owns nothing. He is a legally he is a he is owned by OCP,
0: mm-hmm. and he is legally dead.
1: He is legally dead. He has in death been enslaved by OCP. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. Everything about this, his angle of the story, when you compare it to like Dick Jones, you know, and and the whole OCP gang, it's this testament to the fact that we as individuals are best when we aren't striving to, you know, acquire capital and acquire things and instead Thinking about each other, and you can't and it's not to say that you can't do both. It's not to say that these two things are mutually exclusive um you know, having a nice, comfortable life and taking care of other people. You can do both things, but this movie is about people who do not want to do one of those things. they don't want to take care of others. they are purely self absorbed right mm-hmm. so man, really deep, really rich story, but let's move to. Beastly best.
0: Um, can you go first?
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, for my beastly best, I would like to highlight something in the end of the movie. I think, I think the final showdown with Clarence Boddicker has some incredible moments. Not the least yeah. of which is, and I think it's an, I think it's a small series of events that is so amazing to me. It's when they end up in that, like, hole, like, that pit with water in it, right at the end, and Ray Wise's character drops a bunch of stuff onto Robocop, like, all the, like, I-beams and metal and stuff, and, like, traps him. That whole sequence in the water, you know, Lewis comes in, Clarence is there, um, it's, like, the, the final moments of the climactic confrontation between the villainous gang that killed Murphy and RoboCop, who set out to basically avenge Murphy's death, even though that's not really what he realizes he's doing. That few minutes of film is jaw-dropping. So many amazing things right there.
0: It's like, that part with the water is like, it's just that whole part there is like, just, it's just jaw-droppingly good, even after, like, the water scene, even after that.
1: Well, yeah. Then he goes to OCP, like right. Mm. But like, yeah, the way that Ray Wise's character is taken out, Lewis gets shot. Um, the the way that Clarence Boddicker gets taken out, it's really intense. Yeah, and it's such a great payoff to that conflict between those characters, so that when he, RoboCop gets to OCP for the finale of the movie. It's it's just so rewarding. It's like almost heartwarming <laughs> when you get there. Mm-hmm. So so that would be my pick for beastly best is that final confrontation with the the kind of main openly monstrous bad.
0: Mm-hmm. And basically, mine is kind of. Uh, Basically, directly after yours, when he gets to OCP and you have the ED-209 right outside, Yeah, like my part when they fight each other, that's probably mine.
1: Well, he doesn't really fight ED-209 right there. he kind
0: of destroys it,
1: and that's kind of what I like. (laughs) It's so good. And then just the legs wander in, right, after he blows it up, and like the little legs, and there's no top part of it, just legs, and then it's 100% legs. How did you feel about that, ED-209? Too much legs. Yep.
0: Yeah, now you don't even have a body.
1: <laughs> infinitely too much legs.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can never have more legs than Ed Two Hundred Nine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you are just legs, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's beastly best. Let's talk about uh get spooked. Anything uh, spook you?
0: I would say it's not a horror movie no, per se, but it, it does have
1: it, monstrous characters.
0: I wouldn't say. Anything that would be, I wouldn't say it's spooky, it's kind of just bloody, I guess. It's not spooky, really, or scary. It's like something else that's harder to explain, but not spooky or scary, it's something else. Okay. I would say it's kind of, like, just, yeah, kind of a little disturbing, really. So yeah
1: you just mean the movie on the whole,
0: like no, it's just some parts at some parts it wouldn't it doesn't spook or scare you it do, it's a little disturbing at parts, but that's all I can really say that's
1: yeah, I wouldn't say it's spooky no. either in any way, but disturbing for sure um but I again, s- disturbing especially if you don't know how it was made. This is one of the benefits that Al has over other children that I I want to reiterate here now that we're covering a movie that is pretty intense. Alister has worked on film before. Yep. Alister has been in a monster movie. Alister has gotten to hold the monster that's in the monster movie. He knows about this stuff, you know. I yeah. teach film um routinely explain to him things that uh that that are going on in movies or
0: I've caught some things that you haven't caught.
1: Al catches things that I haven't caught. Especially I tell strings. them about. Especially strings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just like strings and fake bats.
1: Yeah, and I tell them all about how we accomplished the things on the movies that we made and stuff. So, yeah, that definitely takes the disturbing nature of this down, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think if I was a kid watching this and had a better handle on how the movies were made. I would not have been nearly as disturbed by it. I think I would feel about some of it nearly as I do now. I mean the toxic waste man thing still disturbs me. It's still gross and upsetting, but I was definitely more bothered by it as a kid before I understood it, you know, like <laughs> special effects and things, you know.
0: Though so I can just understand what happens. I don't even I don't even need to see what happens. When he gets toxic waste, I know what happens. Part of his face melts, and I don't need to see it.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, no, that's pretty right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it's not like it. It's not like incredible melting man levels of melting. So you know, don't imagine it like that. But it is. It is gross in its own very, very special way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, nothing really spooky there. Uh, funny Bones. There's a lot of funny stuff, but again, if the satire doesn't resonate with you, you might not find some of it super funny. Um,
0: I just think our comic relief is Ed 209.
1: Ed 209 is really funny. You're right.
0: I feel like that's our comic relief character, Ed 209.
1: I like when Ronnie Cox says butthead. When he's talking to uh, Bob, uh, Bob Morton in the bathroom. And he's talking about how when he was younger, they used to, him and his other businessmen, friends, used to make fun of uh, the boss, you know, the old man. And he's like, we used to call him names. And he was like, and he's like listing names. and He goes, butthead. And something about Ronnie Cox, of all people saying butthead, is really funny to me. Uh, Ronnie Cox, you wouldn't know from much. Um... The car—you'd know him from the car, actually. I haven't
0: seen that one in a long time.
1: You haven't, no. That's true. Great movie. That's true, but we will revisit it soon, uh, with purpose. But it is a great movie. Ronnie Cox is in there, though. He plays the young deputy, the like alcoholic deputy. I don't, re- I don't know if you remember the character.
0: Don't remember? No. Okay. I only remember the car.
1: You only remember the car. That's fair.
0: <laughs> That's, That's fair. all I really care about.
1: Um, he's also in Paul Verhoeven's. Uh, Total Recall as well, which you will also like Total Recall a lot when we finally get to it. But uh, okay, did and and you you listed a Funny Bones,
0: so um, you said yeah. at two oh nine. That's uh, frankly for me, that's our comic relief character.
1: Great, and then we've talked a lot about what's going on in the movie in terms of messaging. But is there anything else going on in the movie that you see being, you know, uh, a central message for our Scream theme section? Or would you like to reiterate something that you yeah, talked about earlier? Reiterate. Okay, so what do you see as the most important takeaway message-wise from RoboCop?
0: Yeah, um, what I would say is that, like, be, like, having, um... Like, like, having money and having things like money or, like, having money and stuff, it really doesn't get you much. Like, money. At a
1: certain point, it becomes pointless, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, if you have so much money, like, frankly, all that you need money for is, like... All that you really need it for is, like, just, like, general, like, food, shelter, clothes. That's all you really need it for. That's
1: all you need, for sure. Yeah. And then everything else on and top of that is sort of gravy. Like, but if you have so much money, I think what you're getting at is if you're like the people at OCP, yeah, who have the, tons and tons and tons like of money. all that
0: gravy. There's too much all that gravy. gravy. <laughs> it just, yeah. Yeah. Like, and like, the, like, the money you would have that you don't need for the other stuff would be the gravies on top of the mashed potatoes.
1: <laughs> right, of. right, right. And
0: if you have so much money, like, there wouldn't be any mashed potatoes. Yeah,
1: where's the mashed... Po- where where are my mashed potatoes and all of this gravy? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, it, and it kind of just gets lost. Like, the purpose of money just get, gets lost, kind of.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, because that that um you, acquisition of wealth beyond that which yeah. you need, and a little bit more for travel and to mm-hmm. improve yourself. And you yourself. keep like
0: and you keep putting more gravy and it loses ju- it just loses it. It just loses the meaning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, and you got to stop saying gravy cuz now like I'm try- I'm trying to get us away from that metaphor so that we could get to the actual point there and you keep and going back just, to gravy. I
0: was just using You're that cuz that's the only thing No, no, no. I can it makes up.
1: perfect sense, but what I'm what I'm getting at though is like interpreting that metaphor boils down to You need certain things, Mm. like you said. Shelter, food, Mm. right? Yeah. And on top of that, other things are nice too, right? We have an apartment that is bigger than our last apartment. Our last apartment we lived in, it was small, but we were living in it just fine. It wasn't super comfortable. We moved into a place that made us more comfortable. We have more space. We are able to have... Um, you know, a little bit more furniture. We have a room where you can just hang out and play by yourself if you if you want the space, you know. So that's that's the extra stuff. You know, that's the stuff that then you do for you. You know, you do the other stuff to live. You do a few things for you. I obviously have gone to school a bunch. You know, we have, you know, books and movies and things that make us happy that we spend our time on. But we don't acquire wealth to the point where other people are suffering because of our mm-hmm. quest yeah. for money, like, like like people in you know Detroit in RoboCop.
0: Like, um, money is a good thing, and I mean you can have you can too do much it, of a yeah. good yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, like, sure. Money
0: sure. actually, really, you need money. Like, or I you mean, in c-
1: our society, yes,
0: yes, and yes. it's a it's a good thing if you have what you need. If you have the amount of money that you need to be happy, you're good. And but you don't have too much of it. Are any other people
1: it's like Is Dick Jones happy? No. No, he's not. Yeah, the the look on your face. He's somebody who has a ton of money and is clearly miserable. And it's like are yeah, I don't know, man. We could we could harp on this for a while, but I think that's really A great point here, and I would add that, like, you know, when it comes to the idea of like the the money being a good thing and whatnot, it's it is a means to an end here, you know. And there are other there are certainly other types of economies and things, but it's the economy that we have. It's what we were born into. It's what we live with. And so within the framework of that, we like, and by we I mean like our family, we have chosen not to go into these fields where we're going to be making such obscene amounts of money that we could never spend it all. And even still, when we do have extra money, we also make a point of doing something important with it. Um, This little man right here, listeners, donates a lot of money to charity. Um, He doesn't even have a job, but Al loves helping people out. And that's a fundamental part of who the Burnhams are here. Mm -hmm. Like, this this family, all about helping people. So, Alistair is very conscious of that in movies when he sees characters who do not understand that um, because he doesn't understand their philosophy.
0: No, I don't.
1: But anyway, that's fantastic, man. Anything else to add about RoboCop? No. All right, let's talk about Patreon, and why don't you tell our listeners where they can find us? On Patreon, if they want to become patrons, support the show, support Word Salad Radio, but also explain the series that you want to do. Uh, It's going to be a series of shorter episodes, maybe, but we don't know. Why don't you lay it out?
0: So, um, you can find us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Word Salad, and um, we have our a new show uh, coming out. We don't know when. It's going soon. to be yeah, soon. Um so watch out for it. Um, July like at the yeah. latest, maybe
1: this month, but I feel like July will will start kicking it off.
0: Yeah. Um should I say what it's called?
1: Uh eh, we're still we're still brainstorming yeah. that. I I feel like we've got a couple options, so but you can explain to them the gist of the show mm-hmm. what we're gonna do there.
0: So what we're going to do is because we don't have who the owl is Oh, it's
1: like an inverse who the owl is. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. It's like who the owl is backwards. Yeah. Al the who is. Al the
1: the who is, yep. (laughs) That's not the name of the show, Uh, but I like it. (laughs) Um, So in what way is it who the owl is backwards?
0: So who the owl is, is... Me talking about movies that I can't watch in trying to do it, this is backwards. We're talking about movies we've already done
1: that you forgot, yes, yeah, yeah, so it's a movie that you practically haven't seen um I really, the show is at its core, listeners, something that we have talked about before. Um, It's something that we did for the Critters episode, and this is, I think, where this comes from, the Critters Countdown episode, when we devoted that entire episode to ranking the primary Critters movies. We realized how fun it was to go back through movies that we had already reviewed, but Al had sort of forgotten. And the thing is, Al, what's your memory of our first few episodes? None. Exactly. I don't.
0: I really don't remember any of the movies we watched.
1: Al has except Killer
0: Tomatoes. I remember Killer you remember, Tomatoes. Well,
1: yeah, we've watched it a couple. But times I don't since. remember.
0: Uh, like I think it was Dracula was the right. first one. I don't remember that at all.
1: Really? Oh wow, that's. wild. I
0: really remember one scene when he comes out of his coffin, like the part where he's with the coffin part. That's all I remember. Okay. Nothing yeah. else.
1: So this is this is what we're getting at, right?
0: Literally, I have one frame in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. So what we're gonna do is. Al wants to revisit these movies, and he wanted to record about them now that he's older. But obviously, like, on our main show, we didn't want to just have a lot of doubled-up episodes. So we thought, why not do a revisiting series over on Patreon where Al is going to listen to our old episodes, we're going to watch the movies again, and talk a little bit about that experience. Because What's really special about this show is we've been doing it since Al was four years old. Yeah. And, which, I mean, yeah, that's insane, right? And Al does not remember this, when we started it.
0: Yeah. kind of Basically about how long I've been doing ballet, frankly.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. been in dance just as long. and And he does not remember the beginnings of the show. His memory is entirely of a time when he's been doing the show. He doesn't remember a time when he didn't do the show. Yeah, It's just always been a part of our lives Uh for him. And so, we want to go back and look at that and revisit those things that when he was four or five and see see how he looks at them now that he's, you know, doubled in age. Yeah. And that's Al's show And, and Al came up with it so Al's going to be taking the reins on that. Uh, he's already, you know, brainstorming clearly on what we're going to do with it. Um, and we've got other uh, exciting stuff coming up on Patreon and the not-too-distant future here. And so exciting stuff coming your way there. Uh, new Cinemux every month. You know, that's my Patreon-exclusive podcast. Lots of exclusives on there. Patreon.com slash Salad. Alistair, where else can our listeners go if they want to support us or uh, find us on social media?
0: Yep. Um, You can also find us on Twitter at cadaver underscore cast. You can find us on Instagram at cadavercast. You can find us on Facebook at the Cadavercast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. You can email us at cadavercast at gmail.com, and you can find our merch at teespring.com slash cadavercast.
1: There you go, there you go. That's confusing. No, you got it, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I just it. keep forgetting it. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to soak in. Also, of course, ratings and reviews on wherever you can rate and reviews.
0: Blah, 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 blah. All that,
1: all that stuff, right? But no, not blah, blah, blah for that because Al yeah. loves that.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I Al, li-
1: Al likes to get to read the new reviews on the show. Yes. Um, I didn't check before this episode if we had new reviews, but usually Chartable lets us know. That's one of the handy things about subscribing to that is they just tell us when we have new reviews. But uh, yeah, and then Al will read your review on the show. And if you do review us, and we don't read it on the show,
0: just uh, like
1: shoot yeah. us a message, and we'll get we'll, we'll we'll rectify it. As a father-son show, things can be chaotic. You know, you it's not one of us is not an adult, <laughs> so yeah, things things can uh, go sideways real quick. But anyway, Alistair... Why don't you get us signed out? Great work on this episode, man. Here's to new stuff on the horizon.
0: You've been listening to a different episode of <laughs> Cadaver Cats.
1: <laughs> to say the least.
0: Um, I'm Burnham.
1: And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love you. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Thanks. And his feet are too big, which is why he does not need to be 75%.